Hello, and welcome to the Grand Cinema Hotel, a podcast hosted by three friends who love cinema. I'm Gus, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Nate and Alvaro. Tonight, you'll be staying in room 113, Red Rocket, the latest film from controversial slice-of-life filmmaker, Sean Baker. So go ahead, get uncomfortable, and throw on that Do Not Disturb sign as we blast off with Red Rocket. Top of my game right now on like every single possible level. Physical stamina, my mind is sharp. I'm taking 5 HTP for serotonin in my brain. Yeah. Dude, with my skill and ability, there's no denying what I can do. The universe is on my side, bro. What's going on, all you degenerates? Thanks for checking back into the Grand Cinema Hotel. Want to give a big uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everybody out there. I uh, hope you had a good one with your family and friends and, you know, just enjoy the season. So what's going on, everybody? How's it going, guys? Gus here. I had a good Christmas. What about you guys? Yeah, I had a good one. It was nice. Spent yeah. some time with some family. Got Lots of good food. Good food, presents. Movies. Got. Great movies, yeah. This was a good week to go to the movies, dude. A lot of movies. Yeah, there's a lot of I've stuff I've seen out. five this week <laughs> in like a three-day, four-day span. It's like movie overload right now, yeah, but I'm saw, loving it. Wh- should we talk about what we saw? Yeah, what do we let's see? Just, let's just throw it out there. Because this, this week has had me in a really, really good mood, and I think it's because I've just been hanging out with you guys and then like the family, obviously, and... Uh, the way our like break was set up, the fact that I got to go to the movies three days in a row is something I haven't done since I was in high school. So, and I probably, if I would have done that at that time, I might have seen the same thing twice. Right. But this week is just is a pretty good one. Yeah. We saw yep. the Matrix. Matrix. We saw Don't look up. Don't look up. Uh, I saw Encanto with my family and my wife. I didn't finish it, but you it was okay. You guys saw Spider Man too. Yeah, me and Rose saw Spider Man. Yeah. Fun. fun i'll leave it at that yeah maybe we'll talk about that later but ended with this one yes yes the best best one brings us to red rocky yeah banger of wow sean baker's back um and yeah he gave us this controversial masterpiece honestly (laughs) (laughs) put it put it like that yeah should we start with the discourse around this movie yeah we might as well just talk about it yeah let's just get it out of the way um Obviously, there's a there's a big big plot in this movie that a lot of people are kind of up in arms about. That is very controversial. Um, you want to talk about that, guys? Yeah. So the movie is about a washed up adult film star who's returning back to his hometown, and through his misadventures that he has while he's there, he um, meets a 17 year old girl who's in high school, which. We looked up and found out that the age of consent in Texas is 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, we're from California, so obviously we see that a, l- a little bit differently. So, and it is quite uncomfortable to watch in the movie. Yeah. But I do think that this movie is like pushing the boundaries and challenging you. Of like, how far will you go to root for a bad guy? Right. Which we as people, not to indict everyone, but we as people love watching stuff about bad people. Of course. <laughs> it, it, for some reason, we're just so fascinated by it. I feel like people are drawn to. I bad have a weird people. history of seeing movies about pieces of shit on Christmas. <laughs> I've seen Red Rocket now with you guys two years ago before the pandemic. Me and Ro, my wife, and uh, one of my good friends, we saw Uncut Gems. Yep. I've seen uh, Django Unchained with my father and my sister on Christmas. Not Django, but obviously Leonardo DiCaprio's character is a gigantic piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with my mom and my girl and when my wife was my girlfriend we saw the wolf of wall street on christmas day <laughs> so and then another funny one is that i've seen alien versus predator predator requiem on christmas day oh, what a, what a banger. What a banger. but uh yeah just america loves to celebrate pieces of shit on christmas for some reason it just almost makes you feel a little bit better about yourself and the situation that you're in i kind of think so yeah you know what i mean yeah it's an interesting juxtaposition i mean the reality is that these situations happen all the time in yeah, these and I think it's kind of like what we talked about with licorice pizza. It's like if I have to see this, I'd rather it be in a movie instead of watching some documentary uh, recalling, you know, these types of things. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's what Sean Baker does as a director. Like he really like all of his movies are kind of about people on not necessarily the fringes of society, but not uh, that are shown like the, in the public light, I guess. Yeah. Um. So this movie, I mean, yeah, this happens a lot. This happens all the time. I don't think this movie is glorifying the situation in any way, but it's just presenting it in a very factual, like, this happens. And, I mean, like, personally, like, I know a lot of people that grew up and girls that it, it happens to, so. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate, obviously, but the way that America is set up, they different rules in different places, and what happens in this movie is legal, but it's morally illegal, morally I would say. Fucked. Yeah, it's morally <laughs> fucked, it's, right? Yeah, I'm just wrong. It yeah, is. I mean, I'm surprised this isn't people aren't as up in arms about this movie as they were about Licorice Pizza. That's what I and was like. If you've yeah. seen Licorice Pizza, Licorice Pizza is basically innocent compared to this movie. Very <laughs> innocent, yeah, exactly. Not yeah. to put one against the other, but it's they're totally different. It's interesting <laughs> that these two movies come out back to back. I think. Yeah, yeah. I did think you made an interesting point before we started recording that these movies are showing you what's legal in the U.S., but like, should it be legal? Like, even questions that, like, in terms of, yes, this is legal, but is it morally right? It's like pointing a mirror back at the weird laws we have in some places. It's like, oh, you don't like this? Well, this is where we live. Like, this happens. Yeah. I know you said that you're, oh, well, Nate, you're the Sean Baker guy out of the three of us, right? I've only seen half of Tangerine. I never got to finish it. And the Florida Project seemed a little too depressing for me. It's it's it, really good. I didn't yeah. want to schedule a crying session, so that's why I haven't seen it. <laughs> but yeah, this... This, uh, like I said, Sean Baker, he seems to like, he deals with these gritty, like really American issues and stuff that, you know, goes on and Tangerine. I liked a lot. Florida project I thought was phenomenal. Um, really liked that movie. And then there was this one and I, I think this is my favorite out of all of his so far. Um, it's not quite as up and down, like emotionally as the Florida project is, uh, but I just, I really like this movie. I thought it was super complete. I think the nature of the story is probably why it doesn't have the ups and downs, right? Yeah. Because it's like, it's to the level, right? It's taking yeah. it to the max. It's like, it's like a maximalist movie of, of like for the character. You know what I mean? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, I know Roe talked about this and many other people have mentioned this too, but it's got a similar vibe to Uncut Gems. Definitely. Like you see this character who kind of, I, you don't really want to call him hijinks because I think the stakes are a little bit higher than that in the fact that he's, like, manipulating people yeah, and, yeah. you know, taking advantage of people like that. But you just see him kind of bounce around and go through these different situations, and you're just kind of like, I don't know, like, these movies give you, like, they present this this character with so many opportunities to do right and to make the correct decision, and each new instance that happens, you're kind of on the edge of your seat, like, is he going to finally make the correct decision? But... Of course not, you know, and you're just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. They always craft their way to make something not either morally right or wrong, but right in the middle as it's beneficial to them. And you're like, oh, I guess they always make it seem like they have a bigger intent to like, like how he, well, I don't want to get too much into it actually, but 
it always seems like they create their own truth and you fall into that same truth when you're watching the movie and you you start to like almost root for them but then you morally know that you shouldn't be rooting for somebody like this and i think that's what makes these movies really good is you have like even in your head you're having this dynamic of like why 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 am i rooting for him but also he deserves to not get what he wants but i also in the terms of like because this movie's a lot longer than a lot of like indie films i would say like at least that 30 minutes more and i think i wouldn't take out any part of it either it's like very integral to like what you said at the at the end of it you're like i you should be rooting against him. Yeah, because it's like these movies try to gain, like, you almost feel sympathy towards this character. And, like, there's some points in the movie where I even felt you're like, like, oh, he is trying. Like, you see him out there, like, mowing the lawn, and he's doing these things for, like, he is doing his part. But at the end of the day, he, like, he's not. Like, you really do kind of get sucked into the, you know, People like him have this of way of, like you said, having sympathy for them. But then as soon as one little layer is revealed... It's, oh, the world is against me. I'm not doing this shit. Why should I have to? And then you start to, the more the layers get peeled back, you realize, like, you have put yourself in a lot of these situations that you don't have to put yourself in. And you start to see the hypocrisy behind the actions that he has. And you start to see how he repeats the same cycle over and over again. Yeah. Like when he, like, like what I said a couple minutes ago, when he finally gets to the point to make the correct decision, he just goes back to doing the same thing over and over again. I think we get a little bit of the dynamic of how we feel about this movie, even in him as a character, because he like goes out. He is from there, then he goes out to California, and then comes back, and he are, he never wanted to come back. Is a lot of what we get in the movie. And I think even he just feels. Like he's too big for this place now, and so everything he does is try to like, make like this plan for him to get back to where he thinks he belongs, right? And I think even, like we see that in his actions, like he doesn't really care about these people in any way. So he thinks he's the king of Texas City, and he's riding around on a bicycle. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> like exactly, and he's truly yeah, exactly. I just feel like, not, not on the like. Uh, dating a 17 year old aspect but I feel like we all know people who are not just guys but people who are like this mm-hmm. the opportunist this, this opportunist exploiter uh, suitcase pimp mindset yeah. right That's a, that we all know people version. like this just you um, just people you meet along the way you know it might be someone oh a friend's friend or you know whatever there's always a guy like this or a girl like this who's I'm a hustler I do this I do that you know just they're selling you this image of themselves talkers. that you can that you know is not true. Yeah, and you can smell the bullshit from a mile away, mm-hmm. and they never change. And yeah, and they never change because this this that parallel between this character Simon Rex's character Mikey and America itself, I felt was very prevalent in this movie. Like the idea of American opportunity and how America really does just take and take and take, like parallel with the oil fields and stuff like that. How we really just you know take and take and don't give anything back. And I think that that's why this setting really worked well for this movie. This is a beautiful movie, too. Like, absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I think it needs to be nominated in any cinematography category at any award show. Yeah. Um, like <laughs> like we were saying earlier, film wins. Like, it film really wins. is. Um, we had talked about this with the Nightmare Alley episode, that I thought that that movie should have been shot on film to reflect the grittiness of the time and the story. And this gave me exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. It, it, it did that perfectly. Just the, so many, like, shots in this movie just look like perfect photos, right? And um, 
the the film that they used like was so grainy yeah, that it felt 16 millimeter. It, it, well, no, 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 it looks like it shot on 16 okay. millimeter because I, I was listening to an interview before this, mm-hmm. and that was the intent was to make it look like that. Gotcha. They did a good job. Yeah. I'm looking at what the cinema cinematographer did. It's Drew Daniels. He's from Texas. Yeah. He did it. Follows at night. Waves. No, it comes at night. It comes at night. Sorry. Yeah. Those are the only two. And that. Waves. And I saw that he also DP'd two episodes of Euphoria. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. So, I think... Have you guys seen Waves? I have not seen Waves. I have not. I've wanted to for many... It's become years now. Yeah. I've wanted to see it. But um, that movie looks gorgeous as well. So, he's just one of those guys where it's like, I don't really care what the subject matter is. I want to make it look good. Yeah, and no. I always appreciate that when there's cinematographers. It's not a certain style or aesthetic that they or not style and aesthetic, but a certain type of movie that they go towards. Like, Oh, I do sci-fi. I do war movies or whatever, but just hire me and I'll make a shit look good. Yeah. He really did. He the did Florida project job. is shot on film too, right? It looks like it. I couldn't, I can't confirm that, but it does look it like probably it probably is. But I know that his first movie that, tangerine was shot on iPhone. iPhone. That was the reason why I heard of that movie. And we talked about it a long time ago. Yeah. He was, he was on the forefront of that really. And yeah. then we got Steven Soderbergh doing, have you seen unsane? I haven't seen it, but I like that. I do movie. Know about Out it. of the iPhone movies that I've seen, I think that's the best one. <laughs> no, the cinematography in the movie was phenomenal. Just some of the scenes, like of the the gas stations and just you know, just all the oil fields and everything. Like it really reminds me of like because I went out to school like out there and just driving like road trips back and forth from California in here. Like ah, it just it's so nostalgic. Like it's nostalgic. For yeah, you. it's like I've been that's in that cool. city before. Like gritty always makes it look like the the shadows at night. Always, it just looks so good on film and the story where it has to do with something like controversial where the character isn't very likable it almost adds the dynamic that even the lens that we're seeing him through you know mm-hmm. so I, I love when movies like this are shot on gritty film like that it just makes it look so much better and it really does add to the story and usually i'm not someone who would say that digital versus film it doesn't really matter but if you have a preference give me film, film. every time yeah. and i mean i think that's cool that we know that his first movie shot on the iPhone and he goes from that to this. Like, and that's, that's I was wondering if Florida project is shot on film. Cause it's like, what, that was my entryway for them to give me a chance. And like, now I know, but like, yeah, of course I would rather shoot it on film, you know? Hell yeah. <laughs> it really does add to a story where I, and yeah, I mean, I'm not going to shit on digital too much. I, there's a ton of movies no, shot of on digital mm-hmm. that I love, but just, it's just nothing different. beats film. Yeah. Dude. It's nothing different. Beats film. So this film is directed by Sean Baker it's written by Sean Baker and his co-writer. I have the name right it's here. Chris Bergog? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they they're wrote, frequent collaborators. They wrote Tangerine together, too, I think. I think and the Florida, the Florida Project as well. They might have, yeah. Yeah, so they are obviously are a good team. Keep going, guys. They're on the same page, yeah. <laughs> Make it work, Seriously. whatever happens. I'm loving your stuff. Uh, like and the film is also edit, edited by Sean Baker as well. Wow. So a lot nice. of control over his own movie. Um, I did I, I. My only negative with this movie, I thought, was the pacing in some parts. I thought the middle was a little one-note repetitive. Kind of. I can feel yeah. that. There's a character named Lonnie in the film where he is very pivotal to a certain thing that happens in the movie, but I felt like his character was kind of underdeveloped. Yeah. But I, it has to do with the nature of the film, is that Simon Rex's character manipulates and exploits people, so they're not really, they don't really have any agency, any of them, except for strawberry who we'll talk about later. exactly like he's not even more of a character as he is like an object or a tool they're npcs yeah. in his life i think um that's what the movie 
is that's why it's done very well. Um, you have that dynamic. Like we don't know enough about him, neither does he. But yeah, he plays a big part of something that could derail his whole plan. Yeah, and for it to be like what. Like, I'm joking, like, an NPC is kind of funny to me. <laughs> but <laughs> this movie is, all, is like, we, we've talked about this before. Actually, I don't know if we've talked about it on the show, but, like, in our other conversations, just, like, people have main character syndrome. Yep. And obviously it's a movie, but this is a movie about a guy who has main character 100%. syndrome. <laughs> I was thinking about that when we were watching it, too. Main character yeah. syndrome. Like, this guy knows he's the main character of his life, and everybody's just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And if it comes to bite him in the ass, we'll find out later. Um, I highly recommend seeing this movie if you're willing to have your sense of uh, what makes you comfortable yeah. pushed. I mean, definitely. I think this is, I would highly recommend this movie too. If you can get past that one aspect of it, then, I mean, yeah, I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, do you guys want to dive into the movie now? Yeah, let's talk All about right. it. So we have Simon Rex. Coming out of basically nowhere again. Yeah, I mean, I know him from Scary Movie, like, 3. And, and I then, know you know him from his rap career Yeah, Dirt well, Nasty. Right? <laughs> <laughs> his collaboration with Andy Milanakis, but... When I was a kid, I never thought that he was a bad actor. No. I, I thought he was funny. I mean, I loved, the, I loved scary movies and, up until a point, like everybody else. Mm-hmm. But I kind of just... I never. It's not like I was sitting here wondering where he was, but to see his face in a movie again, I was like, oh, I remember him. Yeah. Like, where's he been? It definitely surprised me. And when I saw that this movie was, like, during, you know, the trailer and, like, the buzz before it, it's going to be about this kind of a shitty person. And I was just thinking, like, his rap career, like, dirt nasty. He's always, like, this kind of scummy, dirty guy. Like, I'm like, this can be perfect. So it was yeah. good to see him in something. Let's talk about Simon Rex before we get into the actual movie. Um, I have so many notes about this guy. It's... It's crazy how his life is so similar to this character of Mikey in real life. Um, so, Simon Rex, he's a, he's from the Bay Area, I believe. And when he was 19 years old in 1993, he responded to an ad in a magazine to do nude photographs for this photographer, which led to his him being in the adult film industry for a while. And he says that he took the job to... Uh, take care of his girlfriend and her son at the time, <laughs> which is kind of similar to this movie, yeah, right? Real. Like the plot. And then when he, uh, I guess his girlfriend at the time was trying to be an actor as well. He was at a casting with her watching the kid and a casting agent saw him. And the next day he was on a flight to Milan to be in the Tommy Hilfiger fashion tour that true. they were doing. Yeah. They just found him out of nowhere, like out of obscurity. And then he went on to be in Calvin Klein, Versace and Levi's campaigns interesting and then in 1995 he was a vj on mtv are you familiar with that kind of stuff nate i don't even know know about like trl and things like that no oh man (laughs) wow what a what a gap right we're not even that much (laughs) older than him but i know you know this real trl they used to play music videos on MTV, believe it or not. Oh, okay, I know that. <laughs> so no, but it was like a it was a show where there's like a DJ, but he played like he curated. Okay. They were video jocks. That videos. makes sense. Mm-hmm. I got you. Well, I, I've was seen like a, that. It was I like a live know. studio audience and stuff gotcha. like that. So he was one of those people. What good times, man. Those are fun. Yeah, I used to love MTV. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> showing my That's age, I guess. MTV was cool. But uh, the last of it. He was in. Yeah, he was in MTV for a while, and then. He got his break in acting. I know he was in a lot of smaller roles, and, like, the biggest thing he's ever really done is the scary movie scary stuff. Movie. But it's crazy that he doesn't have the career of Adam Sandler, but he's having his Adam Sandler uncut gems moment. Yeah. Because Adam Sandler had proven himself a few times before, like with Punch Drunk Love, Funny People. Uh, what's that movie? Spanglish. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I have seen yeah. that. Yeah. So, like... 
every once in a while, Adam Sandler's willing to pop in and remind you that he can act. But Simon Rex, this is basically coming out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to do absolutely pretty much, you know, almost nothing. to Parody films, Yeah, basically. to hitting so hard on what is, I mean, it is a comedy, but it's also very serious, and he hits very hard. So. I think it just goes to show you you can't rush your moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even if you're in the industry for a while or whatever you do, your moment is going to come. Like when it when it's the right time, yeah. And I've seen now that he signed with an agency, probably again. I'm sure he was before, but that he signed with an agency now, and now he's already going to be in something else. I so was going to say he'll probably explode. We're now. in the Simon Rexessance. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally. <laughs> down. I really liked him in this, so I'm excited to see him in other. Yeah, stuff he, too. I mean, he just plays the perfect charismatic piece of shit. Yeah, his charisma is ridiculous. My, on my letterbox review, I put. Simon Rex, you disgusting charismatic piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's the perfect role for him, it sounds like, honestly. Yeah, which is kind of fucked up, too. And it's like, you know what's the perfect role for you? <laughs> to play the back. worst person. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys ready to talk about the plot a little bit? Yeah, yeah. We, probably, we, will, we won't do spoilers, right? We'll try or, to stay away from I mean, there's not a whole lot of spoilers. You kind of got to tread lightly, right? Yeah. yeah, this movie's like one you could give out some things, but it's it's best to watch this movie without having, like, know nothing about it, I think. Yeah, I think so. So tread tread lightly if you, if this doesn't sound like something that's interesting to you or if it sounds like, I don't know, I hope it doesn't sound like we're trying to make light of the movie, but it is a comedy movie, and it deals with some real-ass shit. Mm-hmm. So take it as you will, I guess. I know <laughs> it sounds funny, but I guess trigger warning going into the movie, yeah. right? Like, if you look it up, I would say, before you go in, because you don't want to be surprised by this. <laughs> So the movie is Red Rocket, obviously. Simon Rex, and he plays Mikey Saber, and I have him written down. I put a penniless, beaten-up former adult film star who returns to his hometown of Texas City. And that's really where our movie starts. Yeah, he just strolls into town, and he makes his way to his ex-wife's place and tries to shack up. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought it was hilarious that, you know, like they say, like, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Mm -hmm. Not in this case. No. (laughs) So when he, they are a married couple and once upon a time when they were young, they were the hot young things and they left to go, to go to California and star in the adult film industry, which worked out for a while until it doesn't. And that's kind of a similar theme in Mikey's life is that things are going well until they're not. It seems like she kind of got chewed up and spit out and he stayed over there. Yeah. He was able to make his career last a little longer than her, but I guess in that industry, it always comes to an end at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's back in Texas now, and he's trying to get a job, and he's trying to explain, like, the gap in his resume. He's telling people to Google him, <laughs> yeah, which is probably not the smartest end. thing to do at a job interview, <laughs> so especially funny. if you're in that industry. So I mean, no hate on the industry itself, but <laughs> I could see why, especially in gap. Texas, right, where yeah. this is not going to be something they're down with. Small town, yeah. So he's basically unhirable at this point. All of his stories about being recognized are really funny, too. Yeah, yeah. And this is where you really get to see him show off his, like, mile-a-minute talking way of talking. And I think that's why the script is so well-written, too, is because when it flows like that and it do- it feels, like, real, it just hits on another level. It's because, level. like, I mean, like we talked about, like, you know people like this. They just, they say, like, five paragraphs to you when they really said nothing. It's like, what did you just say? There's certain people where you meet them and it's like, want to hear my life story? It's almost like they just start <laughs> to, like, break you down until you just give in to whatever they want. It's like, okay, fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that goes to, the, like, expo- the exploiting side of his personality, which is what he is best at. hmm Yeah. Um, and so... 
after he's not able to get jo- a job, this leads him into slanging the bud. Yeah, you got you to gotta make money somehow. Right. <laughs> Which is funny that in California, this is like, a you're not going to make any money doing this, really. They even talked about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. But in Texas, I takes place in 2016 or 2015, I'm Same guessing, thing. right? Because it's, it's for there's an outline of Trump in this movie here and there. He just, you know, he appears on TV. They're uh, a Make America Great Again mm-hmm. signs. <laughs> just kind of laying the foundation of, like, the world that we're in. And, uh, shoot, I kind of got lost on my point there because I started talking about Trump. He's got a way of doing that, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Damn it, now I'm on a Trump train. <laughs> no, you were just talking about the date of the movie. Because, like, it, he's not president yet. It's oh, when yeah. He's, like, it's running he's for the, like, because you still hear Ted Cruz talking, too. So they're still tra- the Republican. <laughs> it's like. The Republican convention. Yeah. So it's, like, 2015. I was so it's, like, 2015, 2016. Le- weed's not legal in Texas. Yeah, I yeah, think there it's go. now, like, it's, like, medically legal. But in the time, you know, you're still Ah, weed's it. not legal in Texas, but 17-year-olds are. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Right. So, Very interesting, yeah. Texas. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that leads him to, uh, what's the character's name? Her name is, um. Leandra, right? Yeah. Um, she's kind of like this. She's a mother, um, and she's kind of like the the weed lady. She's the plug in the town. She's the plug. Yeah. yeah. Um, the character, her daughter in this movie. June? Yeah, the character June. I thought she was hilarious. I did too. She's really funny. <laughs> she didn't take no shit. And she did. Yeah. <laughs> she sniffs out Mikey's bullshit from the second she sees him, and I would say she's his main and like antagonist in this movie. Probably, yeah. Besides yeah. himself. Yeah. Yeah. Besides himself, obviously. He's the villain of this movie. What I did like he's also the main character. What I did like about uh, that whole dynamic with that family um, is the fact that Leandra is, like, she's the woman of the household, and then it's almost like her protege is her daughter, June. And then she has, like, two sons. or Like, there's some men, like, men in the There's uh, a son, and I don't house. know if it's a friend or a cousin. But they look like down that. on them. They're, like, below the two women of the household. I just thought it was a cool uh, little dynamic of the movie. Yeah, her son can't even find hot sauce without her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. The world, did you say the world would go to an end without me? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. basically. Hey, with all mothers, man, that's how it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they I, they don't believe in Mikey, but they do give him a chance, which is just something he's good at doing. I would say he's the type of person who snatches victory from the jaws of defeat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and he does prove himself, but he also goes against their wishes because she has, like, one, like, stigma for him, set of people which is don't sell to the construction workers and what does he do he sells all to the construction yeah workers. he's making all his money from these guys yeah, it's like so he's proving himself but while also going against their wishes which just shows you like you really can't do anything right i think it's what you're talking about earlier with like these people who know not to do something but they can't help themselves right and it's just like well i was doing what i had to do and it's like yeah but i asked you not to do that they can't understand because it doesn't involve their own desires and end goals so yeah they don't yeah. see the big picture mm-hmm. so him selling weed gets him to this is like a through line throughout the movie and it gets him to our other main character of this movie it, she's played by Susanna's son and her they call her strawberry yeah <laughs> god damn it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know right we get a line later on in the movie about how she already has the perfect adult film industry name yeah. she doesn't even need to come up with the name. God damn it. Oh man, this is where and this is where the movie starts to get controversial. Yep. And when we first meet her, she's three weeks from being eighteen. Yeah. So I guess that's where the. Um, that's really know. where the controversy starts. Yeah, because the fact that she's a seventeen-year-old. You high were talking about like she's seventeen, and in Texas that's legal. So then she's one year over, which then later leads us to be like, why did he wait the three weeks? Which later down the line, maybe we find out why, or there's like a theory as to why you would think so, but. 
it, I guess like what I was trying to say is that she's not barely the legal age at this point. Like by the time that she's like, like he's like waiting on it, you know, maybe that's the reason why it's a little less for anybody that's out there. It's like a little less um, right at the borderline. It's like when they go, she was 19, not 18. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it, there's no, get, there's no getting around it that it's, it's, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what to say. I mean, obviously, like we said with the, uh, the licorice pizza episode, the grand cinema hotel does not condone yeah. these things, but also I know that movies that challenge you are about real shit mm -hmm. and they're not always as black and white as people would like them to be. I'm so I'm sorry that that's how movies are, but if you don't like it, then don't watch movies that are going to push your sensibilities. You just really get a look into how predatory he is. It's just bad. Like the like the grooming that he that transpires throughout this movie is absolutely terrible. Yeah. I mean, you even see like after he meets her for the first time, he goes to that Lonnie character like we were talking about, and he's like, "Dude, she's perfect. She's she's seventeen. She has no dad. She's like, it's just like, oh my yeah, god." Yeah, where even though you think he comes off like he's a good guy, but when you're really listening to what he's saying, you realize he's awful. Like he's yeah. like he she checked all the boxes to be a good person to groom. It's like, dude, like. Oh my god, yeah. like how fucking horrible are you? I know. So that's where that starts. And yeah, she works at the donut shop and he kind of just starts spending a lot of time there and slow. They like, he just starts this, creeping on Yeah, her. he just spends time around her and like builds this. He becomes obsessive instantly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not surprised that a movie like this is even as controversial as it is, is being like pretty universally acclaimed by critics. And when you go back and you look at movies like, uh, like Lolita and stuff like that, or like Leon and the Professional, or mm -hmm. Leon the Professional, and just like it's it's weird that this is something that we're like okay with seeing in movies, but I think it's because it's like well this is a movie and movies just have a way of doing that. Of we know this is awful, but I'm not going to tell you it's awful. It's up for you to decide that. It's like a moral test for your own. For your for yourself exactly, you know? and that that goes back to what I think Sean Baker does good as a director is he gives you these different scenarios and lets you decide. He's not the judge; he lets the audience decide whether this is wrong or right. So. Yeah, I mean, I love when a director leaves things like this up to you. I mean, not specifically this, but <laughs> you know what I mean. I like when directors leave. It's it's up to you to like take how you take this movie, and especially how this movie ends as well. Right, it's a very open ended ending. And depending on how you feel about Mikey at the end, you're kind of set with this, like, choose your own ending. Does he do what we think he's going to do, or does he finally do the right thing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really hard movie to talk about. I'm going to say that. So if this, if this episode sounds a little, like, disfigured. Like choppy or something. Choppy, yeah. yeah. I just feel like it's because we're trying to tread so lightly on a controversial topic. But I do have to say, I thought this movie was hilarious. Yeah. It had a lot of funny moments. The I funniest thought. movie I've seen in a long time. I thought it was really funny, man. Um, but, yeah. There's just so many things he says that are so obviously... It's not that they're written as jokes, but he's such a joke. Like, And that's the point of the movie, is that mm -hmm. this guy is an absolute like washed-up joke. <laughs> he's trying to redeem himself. And but I, I see him as someone who is past second and third chances already. Oh, this dude. is the kind of guy who's on like his fifteenth chance for real. Like and he's still fucking up. Yeah, like they're not even keeping track anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like one of my favorite parts about this movie was it's one of my favorite scenes. I think you just really got like the feel for who he is. It's towards the beginning, but th the dude has no clothes or anything, so he goes to this weird like backyard clothes sale, yard sale type thing or whatever. 
And uh, he's just he's just bargaining for clothes. Like he thinks that he's this big hotshot dude, and he's buying these used clothes out of some lady's old RV. Like you know what I and mean? He's riding a bike, and he's like trying to haggle her for this ashtray. And then he gets the ashtray, and he gives it as like a present to his mother-in-law. His mother-in-law, and it's just so like, oh my god! Like your brain has to be so convoluted to like <laughs> make you think that you're like a good person. And that's like a cool thing to do. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I did want to mention. Um, his the character played by his wife, uh, the character played by his wife. That sounds weird, but her name is Brie Elrod, and she plays Lexi. Mm-hmm. She was also a big hot shot, like Mikey was at one point, but she burned out a lot earlier in the industry. And they seem to have this dynamic where Mikey looks down on her, even though they're not too far away from being the exact same person. They yeah. only have a few things that are different about them where he feels like he has this like higher ground on her. And he seems to have, have this like idea that he's a lot bigger, like you're saying, like bigger than the people around him. Like, well, I'm back here by accident. I shouldn't, I shouldn't still be here. It's like, this is, yeah, this is where you guys are supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be here. Like that mentality. But she's his estranged wife. And she lives in this like shitty little house right outside of like oil fields and stuff like that with her. Yeah. With her mom. And, I, they don't appear to work at all. No, it, it doesn't look like it. Seems like they're on drugs. Yeah, that's what, like, this movie just, it touches, like, super lightly on some things that are just such a big part of, like, these lower income areas and places that, you know, like, BFE Texas out in the middle of nowhere. Like, uh, Lexi says that her mom, like, their, her insurance or whatever, like, doesn't give her as much medication as she used to. Now, so now she's smoking heroin. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, it just, and that's not even a big part of the movie, but he just touches so lightly on these serious problems that places like these have. And, like, ah, that's just what makes this movie so good, I think. Yeah. I, I think what you said is that it's not like anybody is really okay with what's going on in this movie, but so many people in these areas who are going to see this movie, they're just like, yeah, that's Probably like another day in the life outside. Right. Yeah, which is, that's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Oh, man. Um, I have, like, for, like, themes and ideas of this movie, I put exploitation, a ground-level look at modern American life, sexual morality, keeping hope alive even in our lowest moments, and uh, I don't know what I meant when I wrote this, but hard luck Americana. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. No, I agree. I think that... The, the themes that I really took away is I kind of talked about earlier, but the American opportunism in, in that, in the country itself and in the people that live in it. And then, um, honestly, I like the idea. I'm, I don't really know how to phrase it, but just like, I guess it's manipulation, but the way that Simon Rex's character, like gives these people, he has almost hope and then just rips it away just continuously. I just thought that was a really interesting point of this movie. So yeah, I thought the best part of this movie was Bye Bye Bye, obviously. Now, yeah. <laughs> Every time I hear that song, I'm going to think of this movie. I was a big fan when I was a little kid. Huge. And like, that was my favorite music. That's so funny. And what I actually thought was funny about that is Susanna's son, the strawberry, the lady played strawberry. Um, she was the one who introduced that movie, the song to the movie. I guess it was not in the, in the original screenplay, and she kind of brought it up with Sean Baker, and it became almost like the theme song. <laughs> yeah. So I would say my takeaways from this movie is that it's gorgeous, beautiful. Insert any word here to describe that to describe the cinematography. It's well directed. Um, I think the pacing is a little like weird in the middle. That's probably my only negative about it. 
Um, and Simon Rex is a revelation. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I have right now. Well, welcome to the big screen, man. I really want to see him in more stuff, and I would really like to see this movie again. Yeah, I want to see this movie again, and I'm curious to see, like, is he going to switch up his, is he going to be, like, a typecast in this, or, like, for the rest of his career, or yeah. will he switch it up? So I'm curious to see. I mean, who knows? Adam Sandler went right back to Hubie Halloween after doing Uncut Gems, so <laughs> they do another. Scary maybe movie. he'll just go back into obscurity. <laughs> he warned them. Yeah. He did tell them. He did tell them. <laughs> if I don't win an Oscar, I want to make the worst movie you've ever seen. And it's still not the worst movie I've ever seen. The worst movie I've ever seen is Bud's House. The whole time, the whole time <laughs> watching this, though, it just seemed like it was the what would happen to Dirk Diggler if he went back home. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I get you. <laughs> this is very movie, similar yeah. to that. It's like an even worse version of Boogie, Boogie Nights. Nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Boogie Nights on meth. It's like if you, yeah. it's like you at Boogie Nights too. Like it just happens. What happens after all of the shit that we saw in the first one? I know you have a uh, a joke that you wrote about. Oh, licorice pizza this, versus this red rocket. Yeah. It's like licorice pizza. Hold my meth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I forgot about that. All right, guys, are you guys ready to wind this? Yeah, down? yeah, I think so. I'm cool. I don't really have much to say without much more to say without getting into the actual nitty gritty details. Yeah, then after the after kind of what we talked about, it starts getting to crucial plot points. I think. Okay. So, so want to rate this? Yeah. What do you guys? Uh, I'm gonna give this four AVNs out of five. <laughs> four <laughs> AVNs. I'm making this four and a half. Four and AVNs a half. Out of I five. heard you say that this was probably one of your favorite films of the year. This might make. This is probably gonna make my top ten. I love this movie. I thought nice, it was phenomenal. Nice. So four, four and a, two fours and a four and a half. Okay. Four and a half. Four and a half. Four. You're gonna four, go four. Yeah, four and a half. I think. The more I think about it, the more I like it. Four point three seven. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just thought it. I thought it could have been a little bit shorter and still gotten some of the same points I can across. Yeah. I I know like what you're talking about about some of the like spots in the middle where it dragged, but I honestly liked. I liked it all. So. Yeah. I I think what it may have been though is that like this the strawberry and Mikey stuff. Is a little repetitive. It does. It does get repetitive. Right. It's like okay, you've been on like six dates now. That's like, and right. I understand the dynamic of this relationship. Yeah, like, we by don't this need point. to see another one. Yes. <laughs> Stop my eyes! My eyes! Oh man! <laughs> All right. So I guess we're gonna, as a group, give this a four and a half, which I I don't mind doing. But yeah, I think Red Rocket is one of the best ones of the year. I hope to see it get some awards love because they fucking snubbed the Green Knight and Titan because of course they did. They're they're killing our loved ones. Cowards! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do we have a code word for the episode? Oh, God. All right, I got one. If you made it this far into the episode, DM us, Google me, bro, at the Grand (laughs) Cinema Hotel on Instagram. If you're listening to us on YouTube, hopefully it hasn't been flagged by this point. <laughs> like and subscribe. Uh, leave a comment. Tell us what you think of this movie. I'm sure you're going to have an opinion after yeah. saying this, if you do. For real. Um, and I, the, I wanted to talk about how next week is going to be our last episode of 2021. And I think we're going to do something we've been talking about called Lobby Talk, where it's going to be a more general conversation about movies as a whole. We'll probably talk about the matrix and don't look up and some of the other things we saw because we do have good things to say about those. Um, we'll probably talk about the future of the podcast, what we're going to do in 2022. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be a really fun time. Some Oscar nom talk or something. Yeah. Um, the podcast is dynamic is definitely going to be different in the new year and it's going to be more of what we originally wanted. This was just such a banger of a year that we were like, okay, we have to talk about these movies right now. I want, I wanted us to be, (laughs) 
I know I sound a little Mikey here. I wanted us to be on the forefront, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> we had like be seasoned, bro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I <laughs> yeah. wanted us to be able to talk about these as they came out because sadly, I feel like movies don't have a long shelf life anymore. So if you're not talking about it when it comes out, you might just miss the discourse altogether. True. So Merry Christmas, guys, because yeah. yesterday was Christmas. I hope you guys all had a good one. Um, we're really excited for the new year and. Yeah, man. we got a lot of good stuff. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. Yeah, it should be good. I'm um, really excited, and I want to say thank you to everybody who's been with us on this journey so far. I want to thank you two guys, obviously, yeah, for guys. doing this with the, doing this with me. And uh, yeah, man, Grand Cinema Hotel forever. Happy holidays, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys.